Father God, we ask that by your Holy Spirit you would open our eyes and our hearts so that we can see and hear and understand and then live out, put into practice what we read here in your word. May we be drawn to trust in Jesus more, may we be drawn to live for him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What are you like in the face of trials, problems, difficulties, sadnesses? Do you notice James says when, not if, you face trials of many kinds? Trials And hard times come in different forms and at different times, but they come to all of us. Illness, bereavement, unemployment, broken marriages and relationships, difficulties in the family, accidents, money worries, whatever it might be. What is your response when trials come? And what what do you make of James's abrupt instruction? Consider it pure joy. Is he for real? What does he mean? I wonder if you remember a couple of years ago, Princes William and Harry spoke out about mental health and they denounced the tradition of the great British stiff upper lip. There may be a place for it at times, they said, but not at the expense of your health. And Prince Harry had been speaking about the effect that ignoring his feelings about his mother's death had on him for 20 years. Is that what James means here? You know, come on Christians, when trials come, keep a stiff upper lip and don't complain, keep smiling. Well, it seems to me that the stiff upper lip can still be found alive and well in many of our everyday conversations, even among Christians. You know, how are you today? Oh, well, I'm fine. All is well. And of course, it isn't always the time or the place to go into details about things, but there seems sometimes to be a sense that we shouldn't burden one another with bad news, you know, with things that have gone wrong. We should bear them alone, we should cover them up, we should keep them quiet. Or that we should pretend that things haven't really affected us when they have. Well, we need to hear what James is saying and what he isn't saying as we look at these Verses. This letter, as we're going to see over this term, is all about living a whole-hearted, single-minded Christian life. Not being double-minded, the word that he uses in verse 8. Can you see that? It's about not being a hypocrite. Not saying one thing and doing another. It's about taking our faith seriously and living it out. Turning theory into practice. Putting faith to work, as we called this series. God has a goal for every Christian. The goal is for us to become more like Jesus, to become more holy, more devoted to Him, more single minded and wholehearted. And in fact, He promises that one day that is exactly how we will be perfectly like Jesus, without sin and everything that spoils our lives and the world here and now. That day will come when Jesus returns. But meanwhile, God is changing us. And one of the main means that he uses to do that is, believe it or not, hard times and trials. And that is why in verses 2 and 3, 
James can say, consider it pure joy. So that's the first thing we need to see in these verses. As you can see on the back of the notices, trials can be a blessing. Trials can be a blessing. Now, when I was a school governor a few years ago in a primary school, um, the, the particular school I was working with used to talk about what they called the learning pit. Now, the learning pit is a bit like being stuck down a hole in the ground. Now, this is a metaphor, you understand. You can't put children in a real pit these days. So when you're learning a new thing uh, that you don't yet understand, you are in the learning pit. And very often, teachers have helped students avoid the learning pit by just spoon-feeding them the answers, which is like a ladder kind of being put down over the top of the pit so that you don't have to go down there. It's a quick solution, and in the short term, it keeps everybody quiet and happy, but it doesn't actually help them learn. If students are really going to learn, then teachers have to let them go down into the pit and feel some of the pain of not understanding, of not getting it, and then help them to find the right techniques to get out again. And that, see, that is where learning happens, in the pit. But the problem is that being in the learning pit can feel bewildering. It can feel like failure. It can feel like everything is going wrong. And what teachers have to remind students is that that is where the growth happens. Now, teachers can tell us if this is still a thing or you've moved on to some other great metaphor for for learning. But in an even more profound way, that is what James tells us is going on when we find ourselves in trials. And that's why he can say, Consider it pure joy because you need to remember the end point. When life gets tough, people often say, well, it feels like God has abandoned me. You know, I thought God loved me, but actually, he's never promised to love us by keeping us safe and comfortable here and now. But he has promised to make us more like Jesus. Now, James is clear that this isn't easy. This isn't another version of the stiff upper lip. He's he's not denying that it's hard. Verse 5, if you look, you you need to pray for wisdom to see beyond the here and now. It's not obvious, this. It's it's not something we should just click our fingers and go, oh yeah, got it, obvious. Now, you're going to need wisdom, but you can trust that God is with us. And we don't always know why trials come. We can't always see the reason for them, or or whatever, and we can probably all think of things of different orders of magnitude that make life difficult at different times, whether it's job issues or problems with your flat or with your car or health problems or longing to be married or longing to have children or longing for a marriage to be better than it is or grief and loss. Why do these things happen? Well, we, we can't always say specifically straight away And we may never be able to say exactly why, but we can be confident that through these things, God is refining us. He's making us realise that he is the only one who lasts. He is the only one we can really trust with our lives. Because everything else can so easily and so quickly be taken away. 
Isn't that the bottom line? And isn't that a massive comfort in the end to know that the the one thing that really matters can never be taken away? It's sure. It's guaranteed. Well, everything else will pass away in the end anyway. Do you see why James can count it pure joy? George Whitfield expresses confidence in God like this. He said, we are immortal until our work on earth is done. Isn't that a wonderful confidence to have? Trials may come, but God is using them to help us persevere through trials, through death even, into eternity, so we can trust him and even rejoice. So trials can be a blessing. Will we trust him? If you're yet to put your trust in Jesus, this is what you're invited to do, to put your trust in him and give your life to him. Let him be in control, knowing that that may not be easy, may not take you where you're expecting to go, but the trials that you go through can be a blessing as he prepares you for what he has in store for you for eternity. Trials can be a blessing. But then James goes on. In this life, as we seek to live wholehearted lives, putting faith into practice, blessings can also be a trial. Blessings can be a trial, secondly. So do you notice that in verses 9 to 11? What does it look at what he says? On the one hand, if you're in humble circumstances, you should rejoice because God is able to work through your circumstances to make you persevere and make you more like Jesus. But if you're rich, says James, watch out. It won't last. It will fade. And if that is where your confidence and your hope is, you will fade with it. Now, I heard recently about a health insurance product for the ultra-high-net-worth individual. I don't know if anyone here considers themselves to be of ultra-high-net-worth. Well, this particular health insurance product will cost you £40,000 a year. And for that, if you're willing to pay that, you will get immediate access to the world's top specialists. They will literally just charter a private jet to get you to the person that you need to see whenever and wherever. But even for that kind of money, the company have obviously had to be careful not to promise something that they can't deliver. They say that their product makes it more likely that you will recover and do so quickly, but actually that is all they can say, isn't it? Do you remember that game, The Game of Life, that many of us um, perhaps enjoyed as children, or maybe still enjoy, I don't know. The, The game finishes with the lucky winner retiring in style at Millionaire's Mansion, while the losers apparently retire bankrupt to the country and become philosophers, interestingly. But what happens next... After you've done that, well, everything goes back in the box. doesn't matter which square you ended on, does it, actually? Everything goes back in the box. And so the rich man fades away even while he goes about his business, as James puts it. Now, I've taken over 100 funerals in the last 10 years as a minister in the Church of England. Some of the people... Uh, have had very little money to their name in worldly terms. A few have been seriously wealthy in the eyes of the world. But the coffins always look exactly the same. 
And with a few minor variations, the tributes often aren't much different either, actually. The things that people say about each other after someone's died. But everything in our world is set up to make us believe the opposite. That it really does make a difference in the end to be rich, to end your life with wealth. James is saying, blessings actually can be a trial because blessings distract us from the reality about our world and about our lives. It's all going back in the box. But blessings and material gain will blind us to that. Now, and it isn't just wealth, and it's important to realise this, isn't it? Other things too can make us feel rich, can make us feel secure, make us feel like everything's okay, and simultaneously blind us to reality. It would be different for each of us. It might be just having other people speak well of us, praising us, building some kind of reputation, achieving particular career goals or whatever. Now, of course, what we're all tempted to think is, but, you know, hang on a minute, why can't I have both? Surely I can be rich in whatever way and hold on to my hope in Jesus, like all those other people I know seem to do. And of course it's not impossible, but there's a reason Jesus said how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. He didn't say impossible, didn't say it's impossible for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven, but he did say hard. And what James says is not that the rich should on no account be rich, but that they should not boast in it. Do you see? That's the point. Where is our boasting? What do we take pride in? Whatever our wealth or reputation or status in the eyes of the world, what is it that gets us out of bed in the morning? If it's not knowing Jesus, be warned, says James. And we need to see this if we're not yet trusting in Jesus. We need to weigh up what what life is actually about. What are we living for? But we need to see this if we are trusting in him too. What are we boasting in? What are we living for? Blessings can be trials. And then finally, thirdly, trials reveal our hearts. Trials reveal our hearts. So from verse 13, James seems to switch from talking about trials to talking about temptation. But actually in the original language it's the same word actually that's being used here. Same word underneath. Trials refer to battles that happen on the outside in our lives. Temptation is about what happens on the inside. And times of trial can be times of temptation, the the temptation to give up, to stop bothering, to to, to keep going, to, to stop trusting God. Now what is going on in those times? In those times, trials are revealing what is really going on in our hearts. Trials can take our hearts in one of two directions. They can lead to growth or blessing and they can lead to sin away from God. How do we respond then when we go through hard times? James is saying, if we respond badly with anger, with frustration, with sin, well, we can't excuse it by saying God is tempting us. Can you see that? 
No one should say, God is tempting me. God doesn't tempt us, but the trials we go through reveal what is going on in our hearts. So when you have a cup of coffee in your hand and someone jogs your elbow and you spill your coffee, the reason that you spilt your coffee is not because your elbow was knocked, but because there was coffee in your cup. Do you see? And there wasn't tea, there wasn't milk, there wasn't wine, there wasn't water. There was coffee. And so when you got jogged, that is why the coffee came out. Trials reveal what's inside us. And they give us an opportunity either to sin in response or to grow. Now do you see in verse 14, if we give in to temptation, the problem is the evil desire in our hearts, not the exterior circumstances. We we, we so easily use what happens to us to to, to excuse our behaviour, don't we? Unless it's just me, I think everyone does this. You know, I shouted because you provoked me. That woman makes me so angry. This traffic is driving me crazy. Are those things really responsible for our anger, our our, our, our frustration? You know, does traffic have some moral power that causes us to act against our true will? See, the humbling truth is this. The trials do not cause us to be what we really are not. Trials reveal what we really are. And the problem is not with God, as James says. The problem is not with our circumstances. The problem is actually with our hearts. Well, what hope is there then in the face of trials, in the face of temptation? The hope is there in the final verse. You see that? Verse 18. We need God to give us birth. We need him to give us new birth, to be born again through the word of truth so that we can have life in Jesus Christ. That is where our hope must lie, not in ourselves, not merely in trying our best to reduce the heat we experience in our circumstances. Our hope needs to be in Jesus. Well, here are some questions to ponder then in response to these Verses. Do we realise that in a fallen world, it's a case of when, not if, trials come? And the question is whether we are ready to trust God when they come. Are we then prepared to go beyond the stiff upper lip approach and be honest with God and with one another when things are difficult and ask God to change us and help us keep going? When things go wrong, do we tend to blame other people in our circumstances or do we look into our own hearts and seek God's forgiveness for where we've given in to temptation and ask him to help us to grow, to persevere, to go through all those steps that we saw in the second reading, or the first reading rather, from Romans chapter 5, that we go through when we suffer. James' desire is to see his readers live wholeheartedly, trusting in God. So even in trials, let's pray that he would make us persevere and keep us to the end. At the end of the service, we're going to have a time of, um, well, we'll have a short break, and then we're going to have a question time, just like we were doing last term. We're going to carry on doing that. So if you've got a question that's come up, as we've been looking at these um, verses, I've been listening, 
make a note of it, and then we'll have a chance to ask those um, after the service. We'll say a bit more about that later. Let me pray now. Father God, we pray that you would work in us as you promised to do. Maybe we're facing trials and difficult times right now. We know we certainly will in the future. Would you use those times to develop perseverance in us? so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. When we struggle with that, when we find it so hard as it can be, we pray that you would give us wisdom, that you would give generously to us. And we pray that we would be able to then trust in you, that you would make us more like Jesus, that we would not trust in wealth or security in this world. We'd see those for what they are. We would trust in Jesus only. And day by day you would be making us turn our backs on double-mindedness and put our trust wholly in Jesus. Amen.